There is no roadmap for what is happening in the world today, but the more informed you are, the better your chances are for successfully navigating these uncertain times. This is why the registry continues to bring its real estate news coverage to keep you informed and better prepared to meet the challenges of the industry. We can only do this because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at the registrysf.com in San Francisco and at the registryps.com in Seattle. Today we sit down with Keith Craw, Vice President of Operations at Block Construction. Keith began his career in construction working for a custom home builder in California's Central Valley. Since joining Block Construction in 2006, he has made significant contributions to the operations team, working his way up from project manager to project executive and currently as Vice President of Operations. In his role, Keith is immersed in strategic planning and staffing for all projects of the company as it enters its 50-year anniversary of building and making Northern California what it is today. Welcome, Keith. People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything with an easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theater, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among other industry leaders and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result? An unbeatable combination that leads to success. And that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at www.hacienda.org. Keith, good morning. How are you? Morning, Vlad. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, where does this podcast find you? Where are you guys? So we're in San Jose, California at our um, headquarters office uh, with our sort of skeleton crew uh, moving through the office at, a, uh, you know, following all the social distancing protocols and, yep. and keeping as many folks as we can at home uh, working and, and, and uh, being effective while it seems to just just having our minimal folks in the office that are required to be here. Yeah, and I suspect the office is open relatively uh, so, but your uh, projects have been going on for a while, back online mostly? They have. Actually, we were fortunate enough where when the shelter-in-place first came out in March, our pro- uh, many of our projects, probably 90% of our projects were considered essential. Uh, so we really didn't skip a beat on the projects and uh, sort of kept going. The tough part was actually figuring out in those very early stages how to work safely as a construction company and for our construction workers since that at that point hadn't been figured out yet. Right, right. Yeah, and that sounds like it's an it's an ongoing process. And it also sounds like different sort of counties and cities might have some different rules as well, which uh, probably makes things a little bit more complex, but um, all, all the same it is as it is, right? It is. And as complex as it's been trying to follow all the guidance, it's been very helpful. And it's really helped the confidence of our workers to have that guidance come out. And we've tried to sort of simplify it for our workers so they understand it. 
Um, so it, all in all, it's it's been a good thing to have all that that information come through. Now, I do have to say, I walk up to our uh, entry door and it looks like the door's about to fall off our hinges with all the sign COVID-19 signage yeah. we have on it. Uh, but it's all very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, Keith, just as um, as kind of a you know background and information for our listeners, would you mind giving us a little bit of uh, you know background on on you, uh, block construction, just some background so we can uh, kind of get started? Absolutely, happy to. Um, in terms of myself, I've been uh, block construction about fourteen years. Uh, I started off in an entry level position as a as a project engineer, and in the path for folks who start off as project engineers in the construction industry or project engineer, you become a project manager move through into an executive role. And then at this point, I'm, I'm the vice president of operations for Block. Um, I've always had a, a love and passion for construction. Uh, really sort of figured that out while I was in college in uh, Providence, Rhode Island at Brown University. And once I graduated from Brown, I decided uh, to take a little bit of detail and go into the Marine Corps and uh, was an artillery officer for five years before I started my construction career. And, uh, you know, had some great experiences there that really helped me out as I moved forward and landed at, at Block Construction in 2006. Block's been around. We're, we're uh, happy to say that we're 2020 is our 50th year in yeah, business. Yeah, we're big year. In, in 19, yeah, but really big year and uh, founded in 1970. So as difficult as this 2020 pandemic year has been, um, you know, I, I find it not necessarily fitting, but it's. It's, it just shows the resiliency and the strength of our organization um, that our 50th year is probably going to be one of our most difficult. But I think that to me is, is impressive. And, and I think it's just going to make us stronger as we move forward. You know, we were lucky in 1970 when Mike Block, our founder, started the company. I, I don't think we could have picked a better place to start a general contractor at a better time in Silicon Valley in 1970. You know, as it was transitioning away from agricultural and, and obviously to to tech, not not really knowing the how how big this would get sure. um, here in Silicon Valley with, with the tech companies and just um, you know the workplace and, and and the innovation that was going on here. So it just uh, was a, a a really fortunate time and place to actually start the organization. And luckily, through that period, at that time, it sort of established four markets. Um, you know, an institutional market, an education market, mixed use in yep. workplace that we really focused our, our efforts and have really done that throughout that period. And, you know, proud of our, our projects, you know, we're obviously passionate about building, but as part of that, our drivers are just to, you know, improve the community that we live in uh, with our construction, as well as just be really service minded for our clients, because that, that's really what's driving our work. Right, right. And as you look at the history over the last 50 years, and obviously this this is a very important geography for uh, not just California, but, you know, West Coast and, and also the country. How has your work evolved? So you said you had sort of four areas of uh, specialty now, but how, how did that evolve? And maybe maybe talk to us through a little bit of some of the projects that you guys have accomplished of which you're very proud of. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's actually not just the projects that we did that evolved. It was actually the way we delivered our projects as well. Um, so, you know, over the years, we, we, were, we did actually a, a number of churches. Um, you know, there's a, a famous um, or well-known uh, preparatory school here uh, called Bellman uh, College Prep. We did the chapel there. 
restoration projects at a, a place called Allied Art Center uh, here in the Bay Area, as well as a number of like Santa Clara University and a number of others. But uh, all great projects. But one thing we learned as we earlier in our career was it started off as this hard bid contractor. You know, you try to get a project via the lowest price. But when we started really looking at our value proposition and how we like to deliver work and back to our sort of purpose about being service minded and community driven, we found that, you know, negotiated work ended up being just a more quality uh, product for us, uh, better relationships with our owners and really helped us take off over the years, you know, over those 50 years to deliver better projects for our clients. Yeah. And can, can you explain to us what, what negotiated work work means? Um, I'm sorry if that's like a common term in construction. Um, I'm oh, not very familiar with it. Not at all. Like, um, I'll do it from the angle of, uh, you know, it's very traditional way to, to win work. You call it is, is you go in competition against say, you know, three to five other contractors and you get a set of plans and you bid that work with your subcontractor or price that work and you, you submit it on a certain day and time and then it gets reviewed and then a, a contractor is selected on being on the lowest price. Well, a lot of times what would happen is that contractor that got selected on lowest price was actually selected. It was like who missed the most work in the project. So they weren't set up well enough to have enough of the details uh, figured out and the cost figured out to actually do the project. So on the negotiated side is you can, instead of joining the process at a point when the drawings are done, we could actually uh, be part of a pre-construction effort where we're helping design the building with the architect, price the building as it's moving forward yeah. and um, help you know with budgeting, help with constructability, uh, create a better product through that pre-construction process and through being a builder, being part of that process so that the owner is getting uh, what they want at the price that they prefer. Makes sense. Makes sense. So 2019 is coming to a close. I suspect for you guys, like everyone else in the industry, this was this was a very good year. Is that fair to assume? That's a, that's totally fair to consu- uh, to assume. Actually, it was... Um, we were on coming into so 2020 been a great year. You know, one aspect of it was a number of award winning projects. Uh, we had a project over at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, an education center right on Cannery Row, yep. uh, which is like a famous tourist area. Not a lot of construction goes on there, but we were able to do a project with the aquarium, uh, sponsored by Julie Packard and Ed Center there. And that, that won a number of awards. So we're really proud of that. 2019, we were voted uh, one of the best places to work in the Bay Area for mid-sized companies, and um, super proud of that. You know, driven by our employees, and, and that's done based on uh, our own employee surveys compared to other organizations. So we're just really proud of that and and uh, what that means. Yeah. And look, moving into 2020, completing 2019, we had a backlog larger than we had you know seen before, and had spent a year, actually like two years prepping for that size backlog in terms of making sure we had the right people in place, uh, good projects, good pre-construction on the projects. And when I say pre-construction, that means, you know, do making sure the budget's working out properly, making sure we're planning projects logistically correctly, you know, and all the things that go in planning projects. So we, it was, you know, our largest work ever, but it was also well-planned. Right. So we're, um, really looking forward to this year. And thankfully, you know, even with COVID hitting, we've been able to execute 
on that work uh, to date. Yeah, so let's get into that a little bit. So 2019 comes to a close. You guys are going to celebrate your half a century uh, milestone. Things are looking really great. And then this global pandemic comes around and puts everything to a halt. Tell us a little bit about sort of, you know, how that kind of impacted you guys, you know, most immediately. And then as things moved along, you know, what, what did it mean for the organization, how you guys adapted and, uh, you know, shifted toward towards a new normal? Getting that initial shelter in place news was um, like those big events in life where, you, you you know, you just remember where you were at that moment, you know, long term. So yeah. Just never forget what happened, say, when you were, you were on 9-11 is a similar deal. And, and our first reaction was, okay, let's, let's, let's close the doors. Let, let's, uh, you know, go shelter in place like everybody else and, and weather this thing out like a, like a bad winter storm. But when we quickly sort of took a beat and, and looked at it, we realized, hey, our projects were still essential. And, you know, really contractually, we were obligated to, to continue work for our, our clients. So we realized what we needed to do was figure out how to work, continue to work safely like we normally would on a construction project but also to stop the spread of the virus and, and protect our workers. So we, we spent a lot of time figuring out a protocol for working with COVID-19 since really most of the safety information was for healthcare workers uh, working around the virus. So we had to figure out how we could do that uh, in the construction environment and also just acknowledge the challenges that we had specific to the construction environment where I'm not sure if you realize, but uh, you know, we're, a lot of union worker or workers in general are, are in some ways incentivized to come to work sick. They have uh, probably more limited vacation days than than other workers, and they're blended. Their vacation days are blended into their sick days right. as well. So they would be incentive to come. You know, you know that whole macho thing. Hey, I just have a cold. I'm going to get through it. Sure, which is typically what would happen because no one wants to use a vacation day for uh, a sick day. So. We had to realize that that was an issue out there and deal with that and, and sort of educate our workers as to how serious this, this was and what to do to sort of stem the, the spread of the virus through wearing masks. We started out with uh, face shields, uh, you know, the gloves, all, all the, the, the PPE required for, um, you know, these pandemic periods. So it took a lot of edu- education, reassurance of, um, you know, that we could work safely during this and just getting everyone to commit to the fact that hey, it was, you know, being essential is a privilege in a lot of ways too, uh, because it allowed our workers to continue working, continue getting a paycheck when, uh, you know, others weren't as fortunate. So we, we really took it seriously, uh, the, the, our ability to continue working and that we had a responsibility to, to stop the spread while we worked. And I suspect that cultural shift was probably one of the toughest things to overcome. I mean, from an operations point of view, I mean, you can organize teams and kind of give them roles and all this other stuff, but changing that attitude, I mean, I, I imagine I've, I haven't worked in construction, but I imagine, you know, you're sort of, you know, surrounded by a group of people that's, you know, very, very tough and hardworking and, you know, getting them all of a sudden to kind of, you know, be careful about, you know, coughing and that kind of thing is, uh, is going to be something that 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 might be sort of a um, mind shift, right? Is that is that accurate? That that's that's totally accurate. And um, there was that, but uh, one thing that people may or may not realize too is construction is an industry that it is used to change and the requirement to be flexible. You know, you think of like a sort of a old time construction worker and not flexible things like that. But there's always new 
rules and regulations uh, around safety right. and what we do out there um, so that they're, they're well suited and, and have a history of, you know, having to wear different types of PPE for different types of work. It's just, it's obviously much more strict now with having to wear a mask at all times, but it, it wasn't totally out of the ordinary for a new, a new safety rule to come about and then for folks to follow it. Right. And then from an operational point of view, did you guys, um, you know, have to deal with a lot of obviously new procedures? Did that set some of your time frames backwards a little bit? You know, tell us a little bit about kind of how that impacted your, you know, everyday life, right? And what, what it meant for, you know, projects um, and, you know, timing of, you know, delivery. Timing wise, it's actually been really interesting. It's sort of a, it, it actually went both ways and balanced itself out in, in a number of ways. Now, you know, one of our COVID-19 prevention methods was like sanitizing our hand tools at the, at the beginning and, you know, during throughout the day or whenever it changed hands as well as certifying employees who are coming into the site to make sure that, that they weren't sick. So all those little things that don't sound like much really add up to probably, you know, 20 to 30 minutes a day per worker. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you have a hundred and, you know, a hundred some odd workers on a job site, that adds up pretty quickly and, and ends up being uh, quite a bit of money over the course of a project. But where the benefits were, was especially on our school campuses, we do, you know, when you're working around an active campus, all those school, uh, all those uh, students and staff members went away. So we had, you know, our we had uh, free run over the entire campuses, whereas before we wouldn't. So that that helped with efficiency. Interesting. Um, another area was, um, you know, with certain jobs shutting down, as you as you know, there, there's been a labor shortage yes. um, in the area for a long time. So what it did is it put a lot more labor back into the projects that were essential and continuing to, to move forward. So we saw more labor and more skilled labor come to those projects, which accelerated them as well. Yeah. What has it done for your supply chain? I mean, there are some indications that we've heard throughout the industry that, uh, you know, slowly there is becoming an impact or the supply chain is becoming impacted by what's happening sort of across the world. Have, have you have you experienced any of that sort of creep into some of your jobs? A little bit. I think you used the term creep. I think that is the right term. It, it hasn't been overwhelming by, by any means. Um, we are still getting materials in and supplies. Uh, we have definitely been um, monitoring our, our longer lead time items in, in and surveying our subcontractors more as they, they bring in supply chain issues. But they, they overall, it actually has been working out pretty well. But that's because we're, we're sort of trying to get in front of those items and make sure that, that they're either on order. And if there is, say, if there's a you know an item coming out of China, they're making sure that the factory is still open. And if not, sort of moving to an alternative. Right. So the, the, key, the key has been trying to get out in front of it. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are wishing that we can sort of soon be back to normal. I, I'm personally of the opinion that, you know, we don't necessarily go back to normal. We create a new normal. As you kind of canvas, you know, how your organization has evolved and how the operations of what, what you do is changing every day, what do you think will be new in the way construction is done in the next, I don't know, four, five, six years? That's a great question and something... Uh been thinking about um and i sort of got philosophical about it in, in long term you know it's the construction from for you know 
for a long time now has been reacting to environmental challenges. You know, first, obviously, being shelter, uh, getting out of the rain, that kind of thing, and staying warm. But to say 50 years ago, where we were reacting to earthquakes and, you know, seismically enhancing our buildings, well, I don't think this is any different. I think moving forward, because of the severity of the pandemic, we're really going to have to think about infection control. I know, I know hospitals are doing this obviously every day and have been doing it, but you know, moving that more toward our school environments and uh, our office environments, you know, maybe we're, we're using materials that um, have the ability to combat uh, bacteria growing on them. Obviously, our indoor air quality, our HVAC systems, filtering system will get enhanced and, and hopefully retrofitted into buildings. Right. I think we're going to continue having remote meetings. I think that's going to be important, um, you know, just having less people in the workspaces. Other things in the construction process, it's part of the process, not part of the final uh, building would be, I'd really like to see the municipalities go to remote inspections and also implementing software that would facilitate that. I mean, you'll have an inspector who comes out to the site to check uh, nailing on shear. Well, why can't we take a photo of, of our site or a video and then a, a, you know, a program actually be able to verify the, the nailing requirements on, on a piece of shear wall? Right. So, right. So I think there's a lot of good things, you know, there is good in all this, um, you know, that, like we said, the commute with less people actually requiring to be in a workspace and working from home, it allows our workers who are coming 60 miles away to have that much quicker of a commute because they have to be on a site by only having those individuals who have to be, you know, at a workplace or a construction site on the road, it just helps them get there in a more efficient fashion. Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. So as you look at, as you know, I, I think sometimes it's it's things like these that are so disruptive that also provide an opportunity for companies to, you know, reinvent themselves and kind of maybe provide new services or, you know, invent new things that they, they could do. Um, I would argue that block construction has been around because it's it, it was able to sort of you know ride the waves and kind of innovate and change and always sort of be on the forefront of uh, of the evolution of of the industry. How do you how do you think um, that's working for you guys now? Are there things that you guys are now doing or will be doing that will transform the company further? Um, give us some insight into that. Uh, absolutely. Um, one is. Uh, building on an existing product we have. We have something called a folia. It's a, it's a pre-manufactured building or prefabricated building that we provide for a, as a classroom building to our school districts, a single and, and multi-story. We're going to take that you know, existing platform and very easily, um, like I said, uh, upgrade the um, indoor air quality of that system with the HVAC, HVAC system with filters and um, circulation of the space. So that's one area we found as a as an opportunity because right now the the, the issue and challenge with the schools and, and how they're going to handle this and students being so close together and you know being immature and not knowing that they need to keep that right. social distancing it's going to be a really important uh, issue so we think we could help out quite a bit there yeah no, no, no for sure um, so when you look at the industry today. What do you think the industry is going to look like, you know, in five, 10 years? How do you think, you know, somebody looking for, for a, you know, job like, like you, you know, coming out of a, either, you know, the military or, or some, you know, other, other industry, 
what will appeal to them about construction? Um, well, the in terms of you know what we see sort of changing, and, and something I'm excited to see too is uh, one is like what the actual designers how they're going to handle this this pandemic and this you know social distancing aspect. I'm assuming that the furniture layouts are going to be much different. En- entries into buildings are going to be designed in a, in a much different way. You know, probably the the common areas when it comes to the kitchens and, um, you know, the, the appliances that are in those areas to, to reduce spread of virus. So I'm actually really excited to see what that looks like in a few years as the design professionals um, react to it. Uh, again, I'm, I'm really, construction is one of those industries where in, in running an operations group, I was always an individual who said, hey, you know, you need to be behind your desk or in your trailer or, you know, on the job site. That's how you're effective. You can't really, how can you be effective at home and it's really opened my eyes to um, for our ability for the workforce to work from home. You know, so I'm a, I'm I've I've sort of turned over and, and realized the you know how effective it can be. And even in fact, even more, it seems like the workday is longer now for folks who are, are working yeah. from home. So um, I I want to really um, be part of the solution in that, where, where folks to facilitate folks working from home more and, and to show that construction can do that. Obviously, it's a you know, to actually physically build the building, we have to have people on site, those craft workers doing that. But I think a lot of the support of the of construction can be worked from home to, again, allow those workers who need to be on site a reasonable commute, um, seeing as our area in the Bay is a very expensive place to live. And a lot of our workers, you know, have to move further away from uh, the Bay Area to actually be able to afford housing. Right, right. And I imagine that will continue to be an issue in the Bay Area uh, long after this uh, pandemic goes, unfortunately. So um, like like we said earlier, this is your big anniversary, 50 years. It's a little bit uh, subdued with everything else going on in the world. But how are you guys uh, planning to celebrate? That's a good question. And uh, our... Uh... 50th anniversary committee we've been wrestling yeah. <laughs> for the last few months. <laughs> I can um, imagine. But one, one thing we had planned, and again, back to sort of our, you know, wanting to enhance our community is there's an organization out there called the Sacred Heart uh, Community Center. And, and it's a, a basically an organization that supports folks who are, um, you know, need help with food, clothing, say backpacks for their kids going to school. So uh, we've supported them for a long time, and we we did a um, we're going to do a little project for them as uh, like a canopy. So so their collection, their donation collection, folks, and to work in the sun all day long. So they need a canopy. So we're going to do what we do best, and that's that's building um, that canopy for them, as well as um, our employees decided to at the beginning of all this to to donate a certain. They had a goal to donate a certain amount of money to the, the organization as well. So. That's like at the heart of our celebration. Unfortunately, a block instruction loves to have great parties, but we're not able to do that this year. Uh, so we're <laughs> maybe we're, it can be a Zoom doing... party or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just do the, the Zoom cocktail hours, uh, and then we've done a number of to celebrate the decades. Uh, we've had our folks put together, you know, photo montages to music, um, you know, f- that that are coming out each 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 month or so to just sort of highlight what the types of projects we did dur- during a, a specific decade. So it's been nice. It's, it's been a uh, um, nostalgic for a lot of folks. We've got a lot of, you know, 30, 40 year employees who've been around for a long time. And, um, 
so it's you know even though we're not able to celebrate in a traditional fashion it, it's actually been a really fun year to reflect on the last 50. Yeah, great. Well, I hope in 50 years, if we have another one of these podcast interviews, uh, we'll be talking about different things other than the economic meltdown and the global pandemic. Um, so Keith, thank you very much for your time. Um, I appreciate it. Stay safe. Yeah, thank you, Vlad. Take care. 